Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. My name is Rachel Stevens, and we are passionate about you discovering your purpose so that you can win your world. You can find our podcast on all platforms, and of course, we would love for you to like and subscribe. I'm here today with my husband, Zach Stevens, and an amazing guest. This is our dear friend, Robbie. Uh, Amazing might be a little far. Hmm. He's a go guest. on, go on. <laughs> life giving. I'm I I speak life, and we're about to. Um, September is all about our new series. It's all about truth, and it that um, our series is all about this uh, quote here that there is a truth you can trust, and that truth is a person, and truth is founded on a person that is grounded in a text. And we're here with Robbie to help us unpack this concept of truth, this person that is truth, and how Mm -hmm. we learn about him. We're so grateful to have you with us today, Robbie. Thanks for having me on. And you are an apologist. Can we say that? uh, Sure. You're an expert now. I make a lot of mistakes, so I make a lot of apologies. (laughs) Okay, that is funny. Well, Robbie... Uh Robbie is our Global Groups Pastor at Faith Promise mm-hmm. uh, here in Knoxville, Tennessee. But Robbie is going to school for apologetics. Mm-hmm. So, Robbie, you're, you've gotten your master's in it. Now you're getting your doctorate in it. Yes. So what, what, what is apologetics? And what are you spending your time doing that as you're educating yourself? Sure. Uh, so I've got uh, two masters, uh, one in theology and one in apologetics. And I'm working on a PhD now in theology and apologetics and church history through Liberty University. Go Flames. That's right. So um, what that means is apologetics comes from the word apologia. It's a Greek word that means a defense of the faith, right? Mm-hmm. And so it comes from First Peter, where First uh, Peter three fifteen, where he says to be ready to give a defense for the hope that's within you. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the origins of the word apologetics. So it's not actually an apology; it's a a defense or an explanation for what it means to follow Jesus. So for me, uh, what that looks like is, you know, first of all, just academic wise in school. You know, a lot of it is researching different ideas that people have or problems with the faith or um, just researching what our beliefs are about Christianity, about the Bible, about who Jesus is. So a lot of things around those areas. Uh, But for me personally, I don't really look at it as a defense of the faith. I look at it more as ways to equip Christ followers to win their world, to share their faith. Right. So that's kind of my approach to apologetics. Yeah. And and. Again, Rachel mentioned it, but we're in a series called Did God Really Say? Mm-hmm. And it's really all about truth. And so these four weeks, we're going to really dive into different aspects of truth. Really excited about that. It's actually super funny how God works. So usually when you think about apologetics, mm-hmm. a lot of people, if you even know what that word means, there's a lot of argumentation, stuff like that. But hey, you want to use it to build up Christ followers to win their world. And actually, Rachel right now is doing... Um, something called a, the School of Prophets, you know, just wanting to develop that gift in herself. Mm-hmm. And I mean, but that's such confirmation because that's exact. I mean, when you think about like prophecy, maybe you think spooky, like like future reading. But I mean, isn't that exactly what they were talking about educating you guys that's in? That's right. The, fo- the fivefold man- uh, manifest spirit or a ministry, right? Mm-hmm. The fivefold ministry is all about equipping the saints to do the ministry and to be in unity together in revealing the person of Jesus Christ. And that is what apologetics is all about, is Mm -hmm. really equipping people to share and reveal the person of Jesus to people around them. I would love to just know, could you just tell us why 
not a lot of people like like to study. I mean, right. going to school is um, all for all most of us when we think about that. It isn't like a joy filled response. Mm-hmm. So why would you say, hey, I decided to go to school, invest all of this time, all of this money in something that uh, honestly, I think a lot of people would say is a waste. Right. Like everybody can read the Bible on their own, figure some stuff out. Surely we can all Google. Why have you chosen to devote so much of your life to apologetics? That's a good question. Um, And it is very time consuming and costly uh, to go to school as much as I have. So I think about that question quite a bit. Um, You ask yourself that question? (laughs) I do. So uh, first of all, for me, uh, you know, apologetics is a big part of my journey kind of back to faith. Um, So in other platforms and places I've talked about um, in our devotionals and things like that, kind of my journey away from faith. And a lot of that hinged on when I got to college and I began to, you know, take other philosophy of religion classes and faith and reason classes. And I started to learn things in those classes that I'd never learned through the church. I had grown up in the church, was really active in youth groups and various things like that. But I was hearing these things for the first time and it really disoriented me, Um, caused me, you know, as a a partial, it was a part of the reason why I walked away from the faith initially. But I don't blame like college or those professors or anything like that. I don't actually blame anybody. I think it was part of my journey and God had planned that. Um, And I was also rebellious. So part of it falls on me too. But I think the important piece was that the church didn't really equip me um, for not just to provide answers for some of these questions, but this was the first time that I heard a lot of this stuff, right? Right. Heard things about the Bible, heard things Mm -hmm. about Christianity. And so one of the things that I'm really uh, a strong believer in is that we we don't just equip people to be able to defend their faith, right? Like we want them to go to college, to their vocation, to their job, so they can thrive, so they can have like a thriving uh, relationship with Jesus. And for me, part of that is kind of explaining difficult theological ideas, stuff that's talked about right. in schools, things that are written about on books and in TikToks and YouTube right. videos. Like we want we want people to feel equipped to be able to. Uh, you know, have answers to those questions and right. things like that. And, I, and and so we want to, we'll focus in this podcast is going to be about truth. Mm-hmm. But what Wes want to highlight something that Robbie said right there, people are going to high school, to college. I mean, it's actually the the place where faith is being challenged is progressively moving like back. Like it used to just be college is right. where that would be challenged. But now with, again, I, I really will. I'll see on TikTok, I'll see different places mm-hmm. where people, I, I'll see them where they'll talk about, like arguments for Jesus being transgender or whatever it might be. And so you have middle schoolers and people watching this. And so if you have any desire to develop or, or equip people, if you're a parent, you should zone in. If you're a leader in any capacity, you have friends that you want, you want to see them walk in abundance with God. Or maybe even you're sitting here wondering, catch I'm kind of on the fence here. Well, this play, this is the place we want to start with, mm-hmm. hey, what what is truth? And so just a question, What are because you talked about in college walking away and things like that. So what are some things you found to be untrue mm-hmm. or unbelievable about Christianity? And how has that changed today through God bringing you through that? But what are some things just super candidly that you found to be untrue or unbelievable? Yeah, um, I, I thought a, a lot about this um, over the last few years. 
for me, I think it was a few pieces. Um, you know, I started off with problems with the church, and that mean that's a pretty common theme that you'll find with people. Right. And I think underneath that are some other beliefs, right? Like okay. maybe people saw the church as being hypocritical, or maybe people, you know, might have experienced like a negative interaction with a pastor or their parents or something like that, mm-hmm. right? So there's this kind of emotional beginning to it where you have you don't actually have a problem with like God, Jesus, the Bible or anything. Most people start that kind of walk away from the faith, so to speak, or deconstruction because of bad experiences with other people. Right. Right. So that kind of would have would have been underneath of it. But I also had questions at the time. Like I just think about stuff all the time. So I had questions about other faiths. Like I wanted it to be possible that there were other roads to God. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, one of the things that was really uh, challenging for me, I call it like the problem of Christian camp, right? The, the problem I had with that was that we would go to these camps or activities or movement conferences, and I'd see these really emotional reactions from fellow students or friends, right. but then nothing ever, ever changed in mm-hmm. their life, right? right so totally. there wasn't anything like substantive to it for me. Um, and then I, I had some other problems that I, I just look back on now and realize that I had the wrong view of the Bible or I had the wrong view of God myself. Right. So those were some of the things that I found to be challenging about Christianity. I mean, the biggest way that that's changed today is that, you know, after 15 years of like, um, you know, graduate studies and postgraduate studies and just being a Christ follower, like I everything that we believe right. as Christians, the resurrection, the Bible, God, all that stuff, like I found it to be overwhelmingly true, right? There's yeah. nothing that I don't find and convinced of now. From right. That, so hmm. what, what got, and I, 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 know, I just want to ask you this. So what helped you get there? You have people watching yeah. who maybe themselves are right there. Totally. Uh, or they're looking at their kids and they, maybe their kids are right there. Or we were talking about, you know, Eli, you're 18 year old yeah. right before the podcast started. I mean, what, what can, what, what helped you get there? What helped you spend that gap? Um, I kind of summarize it into three points. So first was, uh, you know, there's a philosopher that his name is Blaise Pascal. And he said, people in order to to believe need miracles and truth, right? And so for me, the first step was a miracle and that like I'd walked away from my faith and kind of deconstructed. And then when we first came to Faith Promise in 2012, you know, Cher gave her heart to Jesus, became a new creation, like that whole story. That to me was a miracle, right? Because I saw what I didn't see in all those other lives before, like transformation. You know what I mean? Like where people would just have an emotional reaction. I saw a real transformation, right? right? I saw a new creation come out of that. So that for one kind of sparked it. And that can happen in a lot of different ways for people. So a lot of times it's like a a, a significant event in their life, whether it's a death or a marriage or a child or something like that. God uses those as catalysts to kind of get people going and moving towards something new or changing them. So for that's one uh, for me personally, the second step was like actually reading the Bible with um, without a critical lens. Like I just said, OK, so I'm open to Christianity again, open to God. Let me just see where this goes. Right. And I began to really read the Bible seriously. And as I did that, um, I, I read it with a different lens, which we'll talk a, a little bit about um, when we talk more about the Bible. Right. But the third thing was actually like the community of believers. So um being a part of pastor's prayer partners, which it's a long story how I got in there. 
should not have ever been a part of that room. But being a part of that room where there were these like strong believers who were praying and like seeking after the word of God and that they welcomed me in, where in other places I'd kind of been shut out earlier mm -hmm. in my Christian faith. So it was those three things. It was like uh, the miraculous, like a catalytic moment. Uh, it was reading the Bible like with a, a new set of eyes, like reading it, that it was spiritual truth and truth. And then the third set was the community of believers was really impactful for me to to come full circle back to my faith. I think it's important to point out two things. One is that um, if you have a spouse that is far from the Lord, that there's hope, like your testimony is hope that Cher chose to follow Jesus and her personal transformation uh, was a part of you coming to know totally the Lord. And so if you're listening right now and your spouse or you have somebody close in your life that doesn't know Jesus, your life is a testimony. And I want to just encourage you, I because sometimes I think we hear that and they say, well, that's just for Robbie's story. That's mm. not for my, my story, but it is for you. And then you talked about the power of um, just giving the church a chance. Mm -hmm. So maybe you're listening right now and you know what? The church has mess messed you up and um, hurt you. I'm so sorry. You, you are precious and God does love you and the church is full of broken people. And uh, so if that person or that, um, you know, you've experienced hurt. We we're so sorry and, and we'll apologize in their place. So sorry. Mm. Robbie was brave and gave that community of believers a chance to show him what it was like. And so if there's a local church near you and you haven't given um, them a chance, I'm just going to ask you to be brave and uh, let those, you know, give them a chance, give the church a chance to show you um, what it's like to be the bride of Christ. Because mm -hmm. it's, too, it's too good. What, what the church has to offer is too good to miss out just because you had a bad experience. Like, I love eating out. I love it desperately, but I wouldn't stop because I had a bad experience somewhere. Mm. Now I may not go back to that place, that same restaurant. That's I right. may not go back there, but that like, again, like if, if fast food or if food is able to bless people, how much more so is the bride of Christ and everything that has the opportunity to do there. Hey, before we go mm -hmm. to the next question, yeah. Um, Robbie was saying, Hey, what, what helps or what, what helped bring him back and understand like that there's truth, in God's words and stuff like that was, you know, that miraculous experience of mm -hmm. uh, the community of believers and reading the word without, without a critical lens for you. Um, you, you do so you're so intentional about, and just pick one. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but you do this with the kids, right? Mm -hmm. um, specifically, the one that comes to my mind is, is trying to, we try to create miraculous experiences. We were talking about the prophetic last night and right. jail sitting at the table. Right. It's a weird, it, you know what I'm saying? It's a dip. And so mm. how are you intentional about creating miraculous experiences where Robbie, you know, Robbie had to, there had to be a transformation in his wife's life. Whereas I see you trying to create those for our kids at, at two, four and eight. So I think, um, let me, can I change the term? Totally. Uh, I, I, I want to create space for spiritual experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the problems with the uh, my personal opinion is that the church has not normalized spiritual experiences. Mm. So our children, there's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. So for me, I will ask the kids, did you have a dream last night? Mm -hmm. um, JL, no, she's given her heart to the Lord. She's been filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I'll ask her, hey, has, have you ever heard like, 
God speak to you and ask you to do something? Yes. And I'll ask her, what did you do? So for me, my job is, first of mm. all, I'm having experiences with mm. God. Yeah, and I tell I tell my kids about them. So I and mm-hmm. and I bring them along with me. So one of the things actually I'll start um one of my goals over then before the end of the year is I um it's called treasure hunting and it's where you go and you just tell the Holy Spirit before you go in somewhere, Lord, I'm totally open to whatever you want to do. And I just know you have a word mm-hmm. for somebody here today. And I'm I want you to use me. I believe that's part of how I'm gonna win my world. Right. But I'm gonna take JL with me. Yeah. So Jay is gonna go with me. And watch me love people intentionally. We're just going to take 20 minutes at Kroger. That's all we're going to do. We're going to walk up and down the aisles of Kroger. When we're done at Kroger, we're going to have chocolate bars. Totally. And talk about what God did or what he didn't do. And Mm. teach her, like, what does the word say? And ask her, like, what do you think? And I love that, Robbie, you said, hey, the church hadn't. I hadn't been discipled in that. Mm -hmm. I hadn't encountered hard questions or... There wasn't a safe place for me to ask hard questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something we can do as leaders is create a space where it's safe for people to ask hard questions. Totally agree. And that's yeah. one of the things that I do is um, really reflect on what what are some hard questions I've asked yeah. that God's been so kind to answer for me through spiritual and spiritual experiences. And I'm just sometimes I don't know what God's doing. Right. I have a, and, and I say... I have no idea what God's doing right now. Um, so I think we just be honest. And that's really what I do is just try to create space yeah, for spiritual experiences. 15 minutes. Yeah. That's space, you know, margin. But I love what you said. If if we're doing it, mm-hmm. then it's, it'll manifest a normal life. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And when they come to you with it, hey, mom, I had a dream. And right. I saw this in my dream. Man, I'm praying for a discerning of spirits so that I can help disciple my daughter in the gifting that God's given her and and it's okay that she had a dream. Yes, you do. God does speak to his people. You were created by God with spiritual discerning abilities before you knew Jesus. God yeah. already made you to hear from him. You totally. know what I'm saying? So, okay, um yeah, get, get back, let's get, get, to, get truth. Back to truth. So. Hey, can you um there's a lot of questions that people have. Right. What are the questions what like what are your top like I don't know, two, three questions that you find people asking about Christianity. Yeah. And, you know, like online. And mm-hmm. Zach mentioned like TikTok, like the public square is now social media basically. Right. And there's all kinds of stuff out there. And it can be really confusing too. So would you also share with us, mm-hmm. you're going to ask, I, I want you to share with us the questions and where slash how did you find the answer? Yeah. So... First, I think it's important to say, like, what are the questions that most people are not asking, right? Okay. And uh, what I mean by that is that, so in the 20th century, like, uh, you know, 1900 to the year 2000, Christian apologetics, like, flourished. You know, they did a great job. There's, you know, like William Lane Craig, a guy named Alvin Plantinga. It, it basically, um, through Christian academics, they normalized belief, like, theistic belief is what okay. I would say. So now... Where in the 1800s, you could not be in a university in a philosophy department or an academic and be a Christian like that. that just didn't happen in the 20th century. It was normalized to where, no, like you can be a Christian and have these beliefs and be in a you know, philosophy department at Harvard University and be a Christian. That was normalized. OK, so that's sort of good. Right. Um, basically, they did a lot of ev- evidential apologetics, which is like arguments for the existence of God, like the fine tuning argument, all of these things. Right. But what happened is like we essentially got to a place where we were able to really articulate what it means to to believe in a God, 
So, but that's just deism, right? That just means people believe in a God. Right. If you really press into it, there's that's still the default belief for most people, at least in the United States. Right. That and there is a God. That there is a God. <laughs> uh, so there's this quote from a guy named uh, Ninian Smart. He's a philosopher of religion. He's not a Christian. He says that the uh, that people have this default belief, and he calls it like a twilight zone between being religious and being agnostic. He said. People have a belief in a powerful being that controls the universe, but they don't worship this being. And they see the heart of religion as loving one's neighbor. Um, they want to form moral values. And most people think Jesus was remarkably better, but not God. Um, and they hope for an afterlife, but deny heaven and hell. Okay. So that you can just assume is like the starting position right. of most people, right? So you'll find some people out there, obviously, I don't want to just paint a broad picture that are strongly atheist or something like that, but most people are willing to just accept there's some God out there, right. there's some afterlife, whatever, we should be good people, right? The problem with that is like, that's not Christianity at all. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Like, it's not really even that close. Like, it's just one tiny piece of it. Like, we believe that there's a triune God that Jesus died, right. rose from the grave, like he paid the price for our sins, that we will live in eternity with him. There's a lot more that goes into being a Christ follower right. than just, I believe in a God that designed the universe. Right. You or, know? or loving your neighbors yourself. Yes. Yeah. So for me, like the arguments for evidence that were really popular in the 20th century don't matter because most people have that as a default belief. Right. Right. What people want to know is... Um, what 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 difference does it make for me to follow Jesus? Yeah. Like, how is following Jesus going to change my life? Right. Right. People want to know, um, like, hey, is there meaning and purpose to my life? And right. how does Jesus give me meaning and purpose? People want to know, like, can I have relief from my shame and from my guilt and from like, can I have hope? You know, yeah. and people want people want to believe in this idea of transcendence, you know. So I think the important questions are really to me. The future of apologetics centers on the person of Jesus. Right. And sometimes, like in academic circles, they'll say it's like Christocentric apologetics, which is like Christ-centric. Right. But I just try to say like Jesus-centered because like Jesus, like Christ sounds just like a and it's what who he was, but yeah. it just sounds like this ethereal thing. Like it's Jesus. He was like a man, a real and he person, was God, a right. real person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think those are the questions that matter the most to people. Right. I um, so as I think one of the things that's really hard in the season with culture, mm -hmm. there is so, um, and Zach has stated this before that, you know, 60 years ago, the values of at least American culture were mm -hmm. close enough to Christian values mm -hmm. that people could kind of catch on like yeah. to Christianity. And now the values um, of culture really were shifted so much more post-Christian. Mm -hmm. And there are there are some moments where people say, hey, I have people around me who do not see like that there is a truth. Mm -hmm. You know? How are you um how do I share like, hey, there is a truth. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to just articulate like how do I help somebody see that there really is a truth? We don't have to agree on what that truth is, yeah, but that there is one and that the the answer of, well, whatever is out of you, you just create your own truth. Mm -hmm. How do I, how do I have that conversation? Like, give me some resources just to like 
or talking points, even just to open up dialogue with the people in my life that maybe Mm -hmm. your truth and my truth, we don't agree on them, then does that even mean that there's truth? How do I have that conversation? Well, I mean, I think a lot of it is going to depend on the context and the person in that relationship, right? Like that's not a conversation that is going to gain any significant traction in a Facebook or Instagram comment section. You know what I mean? Like there's just not going to be real meaningful, you know, listening and back and forth in that kind of a conversation. Um, For me, I think that what I would suggest would probably be something I, I call it like a lived apologetic. Okay. So the what the way that you live your life, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you interact with people, the way that you listen to people, the way that you treat people is the first argument that they're going to hear. Right. Period. Totally. You know. So if you were living a life that just is full, overflowing of the fruits of the spirit, like that's the first best argument you can ever make. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And and the good news is is that even though there is this like whatever you want to call it value shift or culture shift away from Christianity, that entails a shift away from the fruits of the spirit, That's right? so good. And so we see that happening. Yeah. People are less patient, less loving, less kind, less whatever. Yeah. And so the more that that culture shifts, the more that these fruit become like really distinct. So you're like, yeah. oh, wow, there's something significantly different about these people. Right. So that's the way that I start that approach. Like if we're living that way, I think it's going to help in those conversations a lot. Um, the other advice that I would give is that a lot of times people will try to spend a lot of their time understanding what other people's beliefs are. Right. And the most important thing that we can do as Christ followers is understand our beliefs. Like know your Bible, know what you believe about Jesus, like disciple your kids into what their beliefs are. Right. So those would be my recommendations. Is that helpful or is that make sense? I think that is so good. So helpful. That's good. And Hey, we were this, what we're going to do just to lay out so you can be excited about what's coming. We talk about truth, and we're going to wrap this up. But we're going to talk about the Bible, talk about Jesus, talk about what it means to be human, like through God's lens. But just so we can touch on this piece of scripture, just to encourage you, you know, in John eighteen, when Jesus is on trial, Mm. uh, Pilate says in John eighteen thirty eight, "What is truth?" He asked Jesus, "What is truth?" And I really do believe our world is asking, "What is truth?" What is truth about my identity? What's truth about my sexuality? What's true about my relationships? What is truth? And again, Robbie could use a bunch of words that we don't understand and all this kind of stuff. But I love, despite it being in the middle of a PhD, it still comes back to, hey, how are we living? Like what, what the, the best apologetics we can have is living a life that's full of the fruit of the spirit, a, a yes. life that's full of power. Yes. Uh, and, and it is. And so- we just want to encourage you. And you talked about like people are asking the question, is there, can Christianity, can Jesus offer a purpose to my life? Mm-hmm. And you can see that's what that's what God has just drawn this podcast. That's what God has drawn Faith Promise. That's what God has drawn our lives to be about. Whether it's, I'm praying for an apostolic ministry. Rachel's praying for a prophetic ministry. Robbie is living an, an apologist ministry but they all go straight to the same focal point of equipping Christ followers to win their world. And so that's what we desperately want to do for you. So we're going to keep on talking about truth and what it is, but I just want to tell you, and I pray that you've gotten some, just some handles right here, but there is an absolute truth. And we find that truth. I love, I love that statement. I don't want to mess it up. There is a truth and you, a truth that you can trust. And that truth is a person. Mm. That's Jesus. The truth is found in a person. That's Jesus. And it's grounded in a text, which is the Bible. 
which we're gonna jump into soon. So, hey, we love you. We're so proud of you. And we wanna continue to develop you in your purpose so that you can win your world. We'll see you next week.